I was telling uh, somebody not too long ago, we're going to close out Leviticus 14 today. And I'll be honest with you, I'm really going to miss leprosy. I have learned so much about God. I've learned so much about my sin. And I've learned so much about my Savior in Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus chapter 15 is even weirder. But, Lord willing, we will see glorious things there as well. Um, We come this morning to Leviticus chapter 14, verses 35, I'm sorry, 33 through 50, probably I ought to just read where I wrote it down, verses 33 through 57, and our New Testament complementary passage is Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. So if you would open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5, in honor of God's word, please stand. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 7 and reading through verse 10. In the prayers of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Thus far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Leviticus chapter 14, beginning in verse 33, and continuing in the reading of God's word. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest. There seems to be... seems to me to be some case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall command that they employ the house, that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean. And afterward the priest shall go in to see the house. And he shall examine the disease, and if the disease is in the walls of the house with greenish or reddish spots, and if it appears to be deeper than the surface, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. If the disease has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they shall take out the stones in which the disease, in which is the disease, and throw them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall have the inside of the house scraped all around, and the plaster that they scrape off they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other plaster and plaster the house. If the disease breaks out again in the house after he has taken out the stones and scraped the house and plastered it, then the priest shall go and look, and if the disease is spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones and timber and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them out of the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever enters the house while it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening, and whoever sleeps in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and looks, and if the disease is not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, for the disease is healed. 
And for the cleansing of the house, he shall take two small birds with cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, and shall kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. And he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet yarn along with the live bird and dip them in the blood of the bird that was killed and in the fresh water and sprinkle the house seven times. Thus he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the fresh water and with the live bird and with the cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet yarn. And he shall let the live bird go out of into the go out of the city into the open country. So he shall make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. This is the law for any case of leprous disease, for an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, and for a swelling or an eruption or a spot to show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for leprous disease. As far in the reading of God's word, let us pray. Father, as we have read, we come to the preaching and the hearing of your word. We pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. Feed us by your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So again, the story thus far. God has told the children of Israel how to create the Garden of Eden. He's created this beautiful tabernacle. And he's shown them how to come back the way of the altar into the presence of the holy place of light shining upon the bread representing the tribes of Israel. The place of wealth, gold, mercy seat, gold candlesticks, the place of opulence and joy and warmth and protection and comfort. The place of peace. But at the close of the book of Exodus, Moses, the great lawgiver, is standing outside the place. He's standing outside the tabernacle as the glory of God fills it. And so Leviticus answers for us, how do we come back into Eden? How do we get back in? And so first we've seen the sacrificial system, these ways that God shows his grace to us. If you'll remember the beautiful image, at least in my mind, beautiful image of the sin offering burning night and day, never put out, always a visual representation for anyone who cared to glance as they walked about their business, sleepless in the middle of the night, can't get to sleep, out taking a walk, there it is, the fire of God's wrath. His hatred of sin constantly burning together with the sacrifice, the atonement, the substitute, the gospel always, always held out before the children of God at all times saying, flee to this. Beautiful images, beautiful and wild images in the sacrificial system. But now we come to the core problem because the question is, and I want to, I want you to answer this question at least in your head. What are you doing here this morning? Now every one of us has an honest answer to that. It might not be the answer that you would blurt out. But every single person in here has an honest answer to that. So answer it honestly. 
in your head. What are you doing here this morning? The whole point of this leprosy stuff is to show us the corruption of sin so that we can understand our need. If you look at chapter 14, it opens and it closes with this beautiful image of the priest and the substitute and the bird and all those beautiful images, and we'll get to that in a moment. But in between is sandwiched the healing process. And we've seen the healing on the person And now we come to the healing on the house. And I want to look at this passage in two ways this morning. I want to look at it first from the standpoint of the spot on the wall. The spot on the wall. And then secondly, the great high priest. So here's the situation. You are, and, and look at verse 34, because verse 34 was, was, was just what grabbed me. Verse 34 grabbed me as I was looking at this text this week. When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and then the close of that verse, the clause is repeated, in the land of your possession. When you come to Canaan, the land I give you for your possession, and you're in the land of your possession. All right, now pause just a moment. What is the only hope for the Israelite? While he's been in slavery, generation after generation after generation, it's the hope that God is going to bring him out of darkness. Bring him out of slavery. Bring him out of bondage to Egypt. It's the hope that God is going to answer the promise that he gave to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that there would be a land. There would be a land that is flowing with milk and honey. There would be a land in which they are safe from Egypt. They're safe from Assyria. They're safe from Babylon. There would be a land in which God gives a glorious warrior king, David, who himself is going to point us to Jesus Christ. There's going to be a land of of heroes, of legends. There's going to be a land that has a king so wise that for the end of human history we'll be speaking about him. This tiny little land is going to be raised up by God and is going to be the center of God's eye. He who touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. And all that is true. Oh, but beloved, how did it turn out with Solomon? Didn't he fall? How did it turn out with David? Didn't he fall? And now in that very promised land, flowing with milk and honey, and under the protection of God Himself, there's a spot. There's a spot of sin on my wall. 
There's a spot of death on my wall. There's a spot of brokenness on my wall. Now, how much do you think the average Israelite would have put all that in context? Would have said, oh, wow, you know, yeah, there's a spot on my wall, but oh my goodness, I'm not under slavery to Egypt. The Assyrians aren't storming us. I'm breathing God's good air. I've got milk. I've got honey. I've got my vineyard outside. Yes, there's a spot on my wall, but oh my goodness, look at all the blessings. If you think that's what the average Israelite did, I'm sorry (laughs) to disillusion you. The spot becomes the center of our attention, doesn't it? Beloved, I think if you could get this, and if I, frankly, if I could get this, if I could understand this, I think... I think a lot of therapists would go out of business. I think a lot of psychiatrists would go out of business. I think a lot of pharmaceutical companies would see a significant drop in their business. If we could get this through our heads. Let me give you an illustration. It was very personal, and so I asked my wife for permission before I gave it. But I hope, I hope you see how personal and real this is. I'm sitting at my dining room table, and I'm sitting there because if you've been in my house, you know my desk is a mess, and I can't spread out all my books and study on the desk. I'm sitting there at the dining room table, and I've got my books and my commentaries and my notes, and I'm just spread out all over the table. And in my dining room, I can look out a beautiful double window, and I can see my backyard, and I can see the trees, and I can see the blue sky through the trees, and I'm just, I'm seeing God's blessings all over the place. I'm sitting in a house that he's blessed me with. I'm, I'm breathing air that he's blessed me with. My heart is beating because it's a blessing. <laughs> sitting there. And if you've been in my dining room, you know, on my left, as I'm sitting at my table, are six framed drawings. And those six framed drawings represent each member of our family. And I and my wife and my other children are estranged from one of my children. And it is, as I have told many people, the first thought when I open my eyes in the morning and it's the last thought when I close my eyes at night. The the estrangement of a parent from a child is a, is a very private, very personal burden that is, is, a, is a difficult one to bear, bear, but God sustains, and so I'm not trying to elevate my experience by any stretch. But I say it so that you know it's a very, very difficult and painful thing. So I'm sitting there studying this passage, and I'm looking up there at the pictures. And I thought, you know, there's a spot on my wall. There's a spot. There's leprosy. It's right there on my wall. I can see it. I can see the death. I'm hurt. I can see the pain. I feel it. 
It's right there on my wall. And at the same time, there are five other pictures of people that adore me. People that I adore. People that I'm surrounded by. People that I've been privileged not only to have a relationship with them, but with their spouses. People who have brought grandchildren into my life. And yet, what am I doing? I'm looking at the spot. I define my entire existence in the land of promise. In the land of God's protection. In the land where I am free from slavery to sin and death. In the land of my inheritance and I see the spot. And I define my existence by the spot. And somewhere in there is a rebuke. Somewhere in there is a reminder that yes, this spot is real. Leprosy is serious. And clearly we've got to tear the house down if you can't get rid of it. But beloved, do not define the promised land by the spot. Do not define the relationships you have in the context of the ones you don't. Do not define the things that God has given you in the context of the things that you think He should have. Do not define the land by the spot. The spot's real. This is leprosy of the house. And we gotta scrape the plaster and we gotta move the things into an unclean place and all that. But do not define the land by the spot. The second thing I want to draw your attention to in this passage is the healing. Now, when Jesus healed lepers. Consistently, he told them to do something. Consistently, when Jesus healed lepers, he told them to go and show themselves to the priest. Right? Why? Is it because the priest was the Old Testament or the ancient version of the medical doctor? Guys, Luke, the physician, was standing right beside him. Luke, the physician, was standing right there when Jesus healed lepers. Why didn't Jesus say, show yourself to Luke? If this is a verification... Luke, the physician, is right there. Luke's dealt with leprosy. Luke knows what's going on. Luke knows what a healed leper looks like and what an unhealed leper looks like. Luke can diagnose. Luke can look. He never, ever, ever says, show yourself to Luke. 
He always says, show yourself to the priest. Why? A, because leprosy throughout has been a metaphor for sin. It's been given throughout. We've already demonstrated that. The sin and corruption of our existence, the sin and corruption of me, the sin and corruption of my heart, all of this is what leprosy is a metaphor for. And when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, what he is saying again and again and again and again and again and again is, I am the priest. There is a priest that is in your midst. A priest. Think of that poor priest. Think of that poor guy. Standing there receiving healed leper after healed leper after healed leper after healed leper after healed leper for three and a half years. This man receives lepers healed one after another after another after another after another and still has to stand up and say he's not the high priest. (laughs) Still has to stand up and denounce This Jesus Christ who for years has been saying, I am the priest. When we see the priest, and and we see that in this passage, chapter 14 opens and closes with this story of the priest coming and performing this ritual the priest coming and pronouncing healing. And all that leprosy that's in chapter 14 does arise. Leprosy of the body, leprosy of the house. Corruption of the body and corruption of our possessions. Corruption all around us. Death and decay all around us. But beloved, it's framed within the ministry of the priest. It's framed within the ministry of this beautiful example of the substitutionary atonement. As the bird's neck is wrung and poured into living water, and as this poor live bird is grabbed roughly dipped down in that water, and then sprinkled seven times the blood and water from its wings coming seven times on the person, seven times on the house. And then that bird released, joyfully screaming, singing her song as she flies free, rising like the sun with healing in her wings. What a picture of Christ. And what a picture of our healer. And so the question becomes, how is it that that priest does his work? How is it that that priest effects that healing ministry? And I mentioned the larger catechism when I opened today. Of how it is that God... When we say, thine is the kingdom, 
I'm saying something, beloved, about that spot on my wall. I'm saying, this is all yours, God. You're in control of all of it. That spot on my wall exists. But I'm saying something about God. He's in control of it all. And I can trust Him. Let me read, let me read to you a different. This is the, the Heidelberg Catechism, but it's the same, same thing. In the Heidelberg Catechism, question 128, how do you conclude this prayer, the Lord's Prayer? And the answer is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This means we have made all these petitions of you because as our all-powerful king, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because your holy name and not we ourselves should receive all the praise forever. When we say, thine is the kingdom, we're not merely acknowledging God's sovereignty. But beloved, that prayer starts with the words, our Father. That's the struggle. There it is. There it is. There's the struggle of faith for you right there. There it is. How I can sit at my dining room table and define my wall, not by the spot, but define my wall by the healing. How I can sit in the land of promise and define my existence not by that terrifying spot, but by the knowledge that my Father is doing all things well. You see, beloved, that's what the priest does. That's who the priest is. Jesus Christ, both the priest and the sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, both mighty victim and mighty king, and giving to you and I, his children, the rare privilege of seeing that. Beloved, I think a lot of our psychiatric stuff might be put into better framework. And, and I say this not pointing any fingers at anybody but me. I think I could understand the struggles, the difficulties, the pains, the thorns, the hurts, the tears, the betrayals, the injustices... I could understand that so much better if I instantly said, yes, it's true, but you know what? It's a spot on my wall. 
The spot is real. It does permeate our existence. It permeates our existence. But that existence is in the land of promise. And beloved, that existence is part of the healing ministry of Christ Jesus. That is what he does. His salvation is holistic. It's not just body. It's not just soul. It's not just the person, but it's the house. It's the land itself that is longing, groaning, desiring. And the priest, beloved, that affects that healing is the priest that you and I can cling to. And I'm not going to ask you, do you know him? Because my guess is all of you have heard that question all your lives. I hope. I hope you've heard it all your lives. I'm going to ask you, not just do you know him, because I know him. I'm going to ask him, do you see, I'm going to ask you, do you see him? Do you see your Savior? Do you see your Jesus? Do you see your priest? Do you see him acknowledging the spot, but knowing that it's in the land of promise? And beloved, my prayer as I've been going through this passage and my prayer going forward is don't give me peace, don't give me victory, don't give me joy. Don't give me hope. Don't give me blah, blah, blah. Just give me eyes. That's all I need. Give me clarity. God, give me clarity. Yeah, there's a spot. It is there. But there's a wall. There's a house. There's the air I'm breathing and the blood that's pumping through my veins. There are children who adore me for whatever bizarre reason. There are in-laws who accept me. Why? Why am I focused on the spot? Why am I defining my existence by that spot? Our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who does continue to rise with healing in His wings. He continues to tell to you and to me that He is doing all things well. Almighty God, even as your gospel is sweet, enlivening, encouraging, and nourishing, may our lives reflect it. Our words, our faces, reflect the joy that only the redeemed can know. In Christ's name, amen.